Hello, friends. Welcome once again to the Perfect Bound Podcast. This is a podcast all about anything and everything comic books and comics related. Brought to you by the Panel Jumper and Comic Engine. My name is Ben. With me, as always, is manager of the Comic Engine, Mr. Chris Casso. Hi. And, of course, we're also joined by a manager of Corner Comics in Kirkland, Washington, Nicole Lamb. Hello. And, of course, we're joined by writer and co-host and host and co-producer... And your bosom buddy and lifelong friend... Cole Hornaday. That's right. That's me. Hi, Ben. I didn't mention what it was, but it's the panel jumper, of course. Oh. Don't you figure folks anyway, know that? Well, thing? you know, we're on episode 236 right now. And they haven't was, learned that stuff yet. When I was going through the shows last Christmas, organizing everything for the new website, I realized that we did a lot of healthy introductions before each one of the shows because we figured people didn't know who we were. Right. But now I'm just assuming people know who we are and, and oh, know us intimately because they, if they may listen to us talk 45 minutes a week. Yeah. You know, that's really funny you mentioned that because I was just talking about the podcast with a friend of mine and I was saying, like, if you start from the beginning, you will hear the differences of my name, you know, like Nicole, we don't know what she is, but she does a lot here. And then like Nicole, assistant manager of Comics Dungeon, and then Nicole, manager of Corner Comics, just yeah. over the 200 episodes, I just changed and evolved There's into something. There's been an different. evolution. Don't forget Your one final form. That's right, and one of the Coles, of course. <laughs> and Classic. one of the Coles. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so uh, so if you're just l- starting listening to the show now at episode 236, 237, whatever this is, that's who we are. Let's get on this. <laughs> This is a, uh, I'm a, every woman. <laughs> this is a currently developing story, um, and so who knows where it will land. But uh, Disney and uh, Sony are are kind of they're 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 gonna have to go to couples counseling soon because uh, they're fighting over the children and Spider-Man's crossed in caught in the crosshairs. Um, Disney uh, just needs to take that kid and run. <laughs> yes, seriously. Apparently, so according to the deadline, the decision to uh, for Sony and Disney to divorce stems uh, in regards to Spider-Man stems from quote an inability by Disney and Sony Pictures to reach new terms that would have given the former uh, Disney a co-financing stake going forward. I don't know what that means, but Variety reported an update saying that negotiations are still ongoing, but the dispute is allegedly over a producer credit. Mm. Who knows what that means? But then I've heard another thing that was it was about Kevin Foggy not being a part of it. Like Disney's now saying like yeah, he's got he, too much going on, but then that might be a leverage point. Yes, so I don't know. Someone says, yeah, President Kevin Feige has been essentially nixed by Sony. But the interesting thing is that um, as for the next two, and this is being reported by Deadline, as for the next two currently planned Spider-Man films, um, uh, director John Watts, who did Homecoming and Far From Home, and Tom Holland are expected to return regardless of whether or not yeah. Sony lets Marvel play. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of weird. That's uh, You posted a meme earlier yeah. today. Did you see that? <laughs> no. Probably. <laughs> it's uh, the Austin Power scene where number one yes. is like, a, well, with you, you know, 50-50 and with your things in our universe, we'll make billions. And <laughs> Marvel, Doctor, no, um, uh, Sony, Doctor Evil. She's evil. like, but w- w- I make billions when you can make millions. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Uh, it's like, it's just corporate wars, but like more like corporate squabbles. Yeah, especially, it, yeah. especially over this, what, what might be a producer credit. Somebody at Sony kind of got their... their uh, Panties in a bunch. I wasn't yes, going to exactly. say it. Yeah. But we were all thinking it. it. Yep. 
Someone got bent out of shape. Someone so, got bent out of shape. Thank someone you. Someone got their nose out of joint because they weren't credited properly. But mm. here's how I see it: because someone I, their post <laughs> I participate in a lot of things that Sony puts out, including video games, right. and I've seen a lot of things that Sony has done that makes illogical sense in the way that video games have been going. Like mm -hmm. people are like cross platforms and people want to do modifications on consoles and all these really cool things. Like Microsoft is like, yeah, we're doing this thing. And Sony's like, no, <laughs> we're not. I'm doing my own thing. This is my thing. This is my playground. This is my money. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't make sense. They're just digging their heels in. And I feel like right now they don't have leverage, but they like to think they have leverage, There's but they've made poop for movies. Yeah. So they have yep. nothing. There's there's one chairman who doesn't know how anything works right? Exactly. and is just yeah. trying to get his just way. Just looking at the money. Yeah. yeah. I guess that was my only... I was like, I don't care because, you know, they've established that they they can tell good Spider-Man stories, um, but they seem to need to learn some lessons from MCU. But, you know, uh, Disney had nothing to do with End of the Spider-Verse. Is that correct? That's solely a Sony um, property? I do not know. Mm -mm. No. I feel like that was like given to like a sub studio and they okay. just did what they there did. There was right. a Marvel logo before the film. Sure, I think that's always going to be on there, but but I don't know if like if if people from Marvel slash Disney had creative input, like Chris said, it's probably like an indie studio that did everything, um, and the uh, the big the big wigs for each studio probably their had sticker their sticker on it. Exactly, it's ours. Also, well, I think you know the success of Into the Spider Verse probably gave you know inflated Sony's right. uh, head a little bit right. yeah. because they're like, oh yeah, we can produce a Spider Man. So let's just look at it, uh, mm -hmm. like just look at the facts. We got that Spider Man movie where it took an hour to tell his origin, and then we got the Spider Man movie where Peter was walking down the hall and said it got bit by a spider, and then we moved on. Yeah. <laughs> Which one was more successful? Uh, <laughs> uh huh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh -huh. <laughs> what, what they need to do when they need to convince him to just shut up and let Marvel do what they need to do <laughs> is somebody needs to take a freeze frame of uh, who's the actor that was in American Splendor? Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. Take a freeze frame of Paul Giamatti in that giant rhino uh, cyber uni <laughs> uniform from the Andrew Garfield uh, Spider-Man <laughs> and just say, this is what you get. <laughs> right. Don't Just ever remember. forget this. Yep. And now give it back to us. Just make you a meme and so call much it more, a day. Right. You put yes. it with so much more succinctly than I possibly could with that image. <laughs> um, because I uh, sadly rewatched all the Spider-Man movies. Excuse me. I rewatched all of the X-Men movies. No. Um, up to... Uh, <laughs> But see, I I I put I I stopped the brakes at uh, Apocalypse. Uh, I did not watch Apocalypse. I'm oh. not going to watch Dark Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Wise um, choice. Uh, but I but I was I was curious because I actually really enjoyed watching the Gifted TV series a mm. lot, and I wanted to go back and say because I felt like that really worked. They knew what they were doing, and I want to go back and and try and figure out what was not working in the Spider. Man, why do I keep saying Spider Man? <laughs> um, up in the X Men movies and. Um, it's 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 really about tone. It's yeah. those X Men movies are so dour, so serious. But in in the MCU films, there is a really great balance between really well told story, balancing drama, humor, and action, mm -hmm. which so Fox Sony do not grok they in don't. the slightest. No. Mm -hmm. And the beauty of of uh, the neener neener aspect of, of the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies is that there was that lovely balance that we saw elsewhere in the in the MCU. And and it's and I was when I read first read the blurb, I'm like, is it because 
now someone's polished up their, you know, polished up their 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 brass pig, and you know, Cons. they're gonna try. They think that they think they know what they're doing now. I don't know. Look, the first corporate wars is gonna be won by Disney yeah. in our in the front of our cyberpunk future, and right. we just know it's inevitable. And this is just the squabble before that. This is. I'm sure. flashing to uh, Martha Washington, yes. where the corporate wars are to fast food companies, mm-hmm. and so there's a there's a civil war in the rainforest, and there's a giant big boy mecca. <laughs> with guns in its stomach, and it's just like, yeah, it's gonna be like a big old Mickey Mouse. It's gonna, yeah, it's gonna be a Mickey Mouse system for in sure. its eyes. Coming, yeah. the corporate wars are. Yes. Yep. So, so the one thing that I think we should take away from this conversation, I've had a lot of people coming in and going like, Spider Man is no more, and it's like, no, this is corporations, this is lawyers, this is long it's pages of text, yep. it's money, it's yep. it, you know, it's not. It, there's nothing cut and dry in any of these things. That's They're right. gonna be drawn out. This is a glacial thing. Yeah. And there are going to be 10 other superhero movies before this happens. This is true. So you can oversaturate over there. Yeah, exactly. So just like, let's like slow our roll a little bit and just know that this isn't a done deal. Yeah. And when you think about it, the fact that they... They rolled Spider-Man into Civil War as quickly as they did, yes. and then they crank, and then they they revitalized the that franchise mm-hmm. with the, those two films. That was pretty splickety splickety. That mm-hmm. was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You don't like my lickety splickety? I mean, the worst case scenario I see for this is if they don't come to an agreement, then we won't have any Marvel characters, Marvel Cinematic Universe characters in any future Spider-Man movies. So Spider-Man's going to be its own little play playground. Yeah, sure. and that's sad because I sure was enjoying how that universe just kept expanding and expanding, expanding like it did in the comics. Yeah, there was a threat in my household <coughs> last night. I won't name who it was, who said that um, they would get rid of their Sony products if, if Sony if Sony won the the corporate oh, war. Oh, really? Um, uh. So. Yeah, he so he saw the recent Spider-Man, but I didn't. I mean, I don't know who saw the recent Spider-Man, uh-huh. but I uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't. And it was so good, apparently that um, it brought him to it tears. It made it, it made it it made a line in the sand <laughs> for mm-hmm. this corporate squabble. <laughs> so we shall see. I heard a lion in the sand, and I'm like, I'm unfamiliar with what that means. I am the lion. This is the sand. <laughs> <Yeah>. Discuss. <laughs> anyway, so that's that's ongoing, and I'm sure it won't. This won't be the last time we talk about it. Moving on, artist Ernie Cologne has passed away at the age of 88. He was uh, he was a Puerto Rican creator, uh, created. Uh, DC comic fan favorite character Amethyst, Princess of Gem World, mm-hmm. and Damage Control for Marvel mm-hmm. had a pretty storied career in the comics. Yeah, uh, it looks like. Yeah, he's t- he's one of those guys that touched everything for a period yep. of time. Yeah. So he drew a lot of books that I read as a kid. Um, Casper, Richie Rich, Arak. Hmm. Yeah. Didn't he draw? He drew like the first year of Eric, at least. He co created Eric. He <clears throat> yeah. just draw it. He co created yeah. it. Mm-hmm. He drew a lot Roy of books Thomas. that I never, uh, I, I wouldn't normally be interested in because Amethyst was so clearly a girl's book. <laughs> I mean, and I What picked, tipped you off? Because <laughs> it's a girl in the lead and it's all oh. about diamonds and fancy swords and dresses and stuff. <laughs> and cooties. And, and I think there was, I think there was yeah. unicorns and stuff in it too. Probably. Oh God, um, but I remember awesome. picking up the first issue and going, I shouldn't like By this. Way, I love <laughs> and I really liked it. And I, I think I read Amethyst for about a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah. she's made a big comeback wait, recently, wait. too. Wait, It was only a 12-issue limited series, so I had to have read it for a year. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Woo-hoo. Um, he also <clears throat> did, uh, towards the last uh, decade or so, a lot of books about, like, uh, 9-11 report, mm-hmm. um, JFK assassination. Yeah, a lot of nonfiction comics. Another one about the torture report, I think. Was that him? There's I been a couple of those. There's a lot of torture oh. to report on. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's some some happy-go-lucky stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Anyway, so yeah, Ernie Cologne, he was 88 years old. Um, some more uh, weird Disney. Disney's a lot uh, going to appear a lot in today's <laughs> show. Mm-hmm. Um, Art Spiegelman, he did an mm-hmm. intro for the Marvel Folio and... Uh, and uh, <laughs> Disney demanded that he not criticize Trump. Um, he apparently, uh, l- uh, let's see, where's the... Uh, referred to Trump as the orange skull. The orange skull, yeah. yeah. And uh, Which I think is kind of clever. <laughs> and it's available. You could go read it on The Guardian, I think. Yeah, I so actually, it's available. do you have it there? On, I Because ha- I printed it up. Uh, b- b- to have what? Uh, his, oh, what he said? His essay, yeah, and his responses to it. That's oh. a long essay, isn't it? I'm not going to read the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's so here's the trick for me on it. It's a work for hire to write that thing. People are right. saying censorship is just like, no, they're just not going to pay for the thing they don't want to use, um, even though it's dumb to not use it and puts them in a bad light for their product. But it is fully within their right to do that. Of course. Mm. Um, but but yeah. what it does is, is they essentially say that, you know, Marvel and uh, our, our favorite uh, billionaire chairman, uh, Isaac Ike Bullmutter, um, are, are Trump supporters. Perlmutter. Oh, yeah. He's, we've but, always did I say Perlmutter? Perlmutter. Anyway. Ike Perlmutter, yeah. But they're Trump supporters, and they had an issue with uh, Spiegelman right. calling him the orange yeah. skull. So Mr. Perlmutter um, said that wasn't uh, acceptable. Yep. There's a whole extra fun time story to look up with Perlmutter and his history and everything. Something to keep in mind, because a lot of people are like, time to uh, boycott Marvel. Um, Marvel's owned by Disney. Uh, there's a billion, there's a button, not a bit, there's a bunch of billionaires involved with this. <sighs> so one of them is a Trump supporter within the large corporation. A bunch of them are going to be Trump supporters. Mm-hmm. You can't boycott an entire company. You can go ahead, feel free, do it. Yeah. But it's <laughs> no dumb. Come to buy do your Marvel. That. Buy your Marvel. Yeah. No, no. Like seriously, like if you're going to take that project, like, maybe everybody should stop by Marvel. It's like, well, thanks. You want us to go out of business? Yeah. Marvel's literally one of the only things keeping us afloat at the moment. Mm, so yes. you know, sucks that that's the fact. But uh, it's like you know what? There's a bunch of positive, socially progressive stuff being put out by. Positive, socially progressive people that work under Marvel. Mm-hmm. So you can't. I, I don't think you should punish an entire brand for the one guy. And a lot of people were saying, like, I'm not going to watch any movies. He was ousted from the Marvel Cinematic part of the company. Um, so he has nothing to do with that anymore. So it's just like, it's just tough to boycott an entire thing for the one idiot. Of course. And you it's, um, and you can't, at this, at this late stage of our capitalist culture, you, you can't vote. You can't purchase, uh, you know, progressively. It's a, you, you have no idea how how wealthy the fat cats are and what they do with their money. The air um, I am unless breathing. you do some research, and it's there. <laughs> the information is all public. But what did you say? The air I am breathing was bought by Disney. Yeah, previously, yeah. So. I mean, yeah. uh, Walt Disney was not a nice person, and yet they shaped him into, you know, this saintly being, and he was the opposite. And same, and Marvel's doing it now with Stan Lee. They have mm-hmm. little quotes of his from the um, soapbox, and and they're trying to make him their Santa Claus. And that's I have a 
real problem with that. He always was. He's always been Santa Claus. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. a trick. That's, I've always had a problem just, with that. Those are not a new Those thing. are not true things to me. Yeah. yeah. But they are seeding this belief, much not unlike they did with with Walt Disney back in the day. Mm-hmm. You know, they're making him the friendly grandpa figure, yeah. and he's not that guy. And he was not that guy in reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's how corporations work. Yeah. Yep. So that's how branding works. <laughs> Anyway, so the Folio Society's uh, volume is paying tribute to the history of Marvel will not include Spiegelman's uh, 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 apparently political intros. Mm -hmm. So, and it's also, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, Disney is not making it, not giving a good name to itself for its uh, socially progressive audiences. And they're not helping their cause much when it comes to Taika Waititi's Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit is a new film. It's a, um, it's, a it's about a little boy, a little German, a patriotic little German boy whose only refuge from being bullied by his peers is an imaginary friend, Hitler, played by Waititi. That is until he meets a little girl who challenges his point of view. Um, apparently some Disney execs are concerned that Jojo Rabbit might be too edgy for the studio's usual demographic of, chil- of children and families, which, as the AV Club says, yeah, it's not exactly a movie you'd take your eight-year-old Cars fan to see on a Saturday morning, unless you're really trying to course-correct their interests, <laughs> and maybe you should. <laughs> um, so anyway. <laughs> anyway, um, in this, uh, AV Club is a referencing a variety story, which says that uh, following is an internal screening of Jojo Rabbit, a Disney exec uh, halfway through uh, grew audibly uncomfortable worrying aloud that the material would alienate Disney fans. You know what's funny is that Disney, when they bought the Fox merger, they bought FX, meaning they bought um, Breaking Bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, uh, it's so weird to get this picky <laughs> about something when you own stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, he, he definitely absorbed a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> So I don't know. Whatever. Pick yeah. Your battles. We'll we'll see it when we see it. Yeah. yeah I. Uh, it'll know. come. It'll exist in some. I way. mean, Taika is such a. He's <laughs> such a hot commodity now. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yep. Taika Waititi. I heard him say his name once. And I'm trying to trying to figure out how to because I always said YTT like mm-hmm. Waikiki, Waikiki. Mm-hmm. Hawaii, but it's Waititi. 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 Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's just g- fun to say either way. Let's uh let's focus on some good news, people. Kevin Conroy is finally gonna get a chance to play a live action Bruce Wayne in CW's Crisis on Infinite Earths. This is something the fans have been clamoring for for quite some time. I really feel like I've been remiss because this whole Crisis crossover they're doing looks really really fun, <laughs> and they you know they got uh, uh, Greg Routh to play Superman. Is it Greg Routh? Brandon Routh. The well, the, he was he was in the the Superman Returns movie, wasn't he? The one Brandon that Brandon Routh. Routh. Brandon Routh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He also fought Scott Pilgrim. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Scott he Pilgrim did. has fought most of the Marvel and DC yeah. universe at this point. Um, he fought, and yeah, Captain Marvel was there too. Right. Wasn't he the vegan? Uh, no, Brandon he... Routh was the vegan. Oh, yeah. okay. Sorry. Uh, no, sorry, sorry, we'll, we'll get back to the Scott yeah. Pilgrim podcast anyway, later. Yes. But yeah, that's the. So they're having now. If I remember correctly, they're having. Um, uh, what, are you, what are you? What are you trying to say? Is it bigger than a bread Bat- box? Is Batman. Um, Batman is bigger than the bread box. No, thanks. Crisis on Infinite. <laughs> no, the actor. Of, the act, Kevin Conroy. Cameron Conroy. <laughs> uh, so they're having him um, play old man Bruce old Bruce Wayne. Wayne. Yeah. 
but is he I, I don't remember is it the is it the old man Bruce Wayne from the Batman Beyond stories so know. we'll be doing Batman Beyond in the Crisis crossover I don't know uh, this article uh, wants that to happen I guess mm. why not have him as the old version of Bruce Wayne oh, okay. he first performed in Batman Beyond but um, I, I don't think that's what's happening in the Crisis on Infinite Earths story. Well, okay. I would like if right. he was just actually just Batman from the animated series as a live action series. Like if they just kind of said like he's like, yeah, and I'm just in with Harley Quinn every other day <laughs> or something like that, you know. Apparently, we might also see Brandon Ralph as uh, interact, yeah, as Superman and uh, interact with Kevin Conroy as Batman and even Burt Ward. That's right. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a lot to take in. Anyway, what I'm hoping for is at some point uh, during the event, the Flash of the the main Flash of the TV show will do his little universe jump because Flashes are the ones that do that, and he'll see the movie Flash who will die in a horrible accident, and he'll just kind of step in and be like, "This is my movie now. <laughs> I'm the actor they like." You know, I forgot, but that the, all those series have done a lot of fan service um, because. The fellow that played the Flash's father in the TV series played the Flash in the '90s. In the '90s TV series, that was yep. Um, and he and plays Jay Garrick name? in the show as well. That's right. They go yeah. to a multiverse and they make yeah. the Golden Age, Flash. which I thought was a real cool layer. What is his name? Guy Person. Yeah, no, yeah. that's not IMDb Guy Person. Always pulled up. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be. I used to be really. I used to remember his name. I used to be able to just pull it right Why out. Why would you remember his name? He was only in the, like one thing that mattered. I watched that. T- <laughs> well, I watched that TV series because back in the '90s, it was like, it was right. It came. It hit the airwaves shortly after the Tim Burton Batman, mm. and we had, and he wore this flocked, you know, uh, muscle muscle suit, yep. um, and it was, uh, and he looked really cool. And I'm sorry, he looked really cool. I liked and they him had a bad lot. Guys, yes. they had bad guys. They had Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill the was the trickster. I yeah. liked him a lot, but he's like the poor man's Trent William, Treat Williams, mm-hmm. and everybody should not know who Treat Williams is. So that should tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who knows who Treat Williams anyway, is? Anyway. <laughs> I don't know. I'm ah, bad with... There you go. I've heard the name. Or... I can't picture it. He was in though. hair. I don't know. Crisis on Infinite Earths will take over the CW Superhero Shows next season, so watch for that if you watch the CW Superhero Shows. And finally, Charlie Adlard says that he and Robert Kirkman had planned The Walking Dead's final issue as far back as 2015. Yeah, that's kind of fishy. You don't think that's no? You know, I that's think it's totally statement? true. I think it's totally true. I just think it's kind of reflective on what a um, um, untruthful person Mr. Kirkman is. Uh. Good, good catch there. Pause, pause, <laughs> refrain, and proceed. <laughs> Yeah, well, nobody cares about Walking Dead anymore, right? So no, we really don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have um, a lot of opinions, but it's like totally irrelevant now. <laughs> well, but we, but we still have like six TV shows running concurrent, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. nobody's watching. But yeah. there's not going to be anything in the comics. And um, until he realizes that none of his other projects are making money, and he's like, "Time for the Michonne comic." Yeah, yeah or exactly. The Negan or comic. Time for the Carl comic, or the Negan. No, that's what it'll be. It'll be it'll the be Negan. the Negan comic. Yeah, yeah, and I won't be reading that. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's move on to book report, everybody. And Cole Hornaday, let's start with you. Well, I don't know if I've expressed this to you guys. I must have over the 275 episodes we've done. Um, in our lifetime, but I am a regular 
a semi-regular reader of the Forkian Times. And it's a monthly uh, uh, magazine out of the UK, um, Strange and Wonderfully Bizarre Phenomena. And there are gets, there gets, there, I get so busy in my life that I will stack them up on my couch and I will be literally two years behind on reading the Fortean Times. <laughs> so I think I just read the July issue from 2016. <laughs> and, and I'm looking at this stack going, why do I freaking bother anymore? I have been reading this magazine for over 30 years. They are stacked high as my stubby little hip um, in my closet. And then like, I got through one issue and there was a review of a graphic novel that I frankly was unfamiliar with. And I was like, ah. I'm really glad I'm still reading this magazine <laughs> because it puts me in touch with stuff that I'm not going to figure, uh, I'm not going to uh, come in contact necessarily elsewhere. So um, I, uh, I was introduced to uh, uh, a graphic novel. It was actually published back in 2017 through Drawn and Quarterly. Sounds right. Chris's, yes. Uh, it's called The Abominable Mr. Seabrook by Joe Ullman. And Ullman is one of these really unique creators who is a bit OCD and goes all the way down the rabbit hole on his subject matter. So um, William Seabrook was a 20s and 30s era travelogue writer, uh, made probably made most famous for his writing because he coined the term zombie to the American public. He wrote uh, a book called The Magic Island in the 20s that was all about uh, Haitian voodoo. And he discussed, he had a lot of very groundbreaking discussions of Haitian voodoo uh, being uh, pharmacological. And it's all predated uh, Wade... Um, Oh, shoot, the guy that wrote Serpent in the Rainbow. Um, uh, 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 darn it, it's right on the tip of my tongue. But that um, guy. Yeah, but that, uh, guy. <laughs> uh, but that was, uh, if you uh, don't bother, read the book, uh, Serpent in the Rainbow. It is really fascinating. I'm getting off the beam here. Don't bother with the Wes Craven film. It's a total uh, bastardization of the story. Um, anyway, but uh, Seabrook was also a, uh, a career alcoholic and uh, a bit of a kinkosaurus rex. Wade he, Davis. Thank you very much. Wade, I knew it was a really common name, Wade Davis. I highly, sidebar, I highly recommend Wade Davis's Serpent in the Rainbow. Let's not ignore Kinkosaurus Rex here. Yeah. That's okay. a good one. You want to go back to Kinkosaurus Rex? Yeah, I guess so, okay. so Mr. Uh, Mr. Seabrook was also into chaining up young women and all kinds of shackles and stuff like that. That was his big, big kink. And that was actually a big part of his life. And if you go online, you can see pictures of uh, taken of uh, uh, very famous pictures from Man Ray, the, the world famous photographer in the 30s of his, uh, you know, his love of kink. And, less and interesting. He, he, he had stuff too, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. Man Ray had stuff too, uh -huh. yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. So um, this book is is uh, dense. It's like over 300. It's almost 300 pages long with lots of endnotes. Um, and it's done on, an, on, for the most part, a nine panel grid. So uh, really dense storytelling. It's done with a, it's a black and white with a, a blue gray wash. And um, uh it, it, it's a really well done uh, biographical piece covering this man's life who otherwise probably would have fallen into complete obscurity because I had never heard of him and I would not have I would not be familiar with this man unless I got you know went all the way in into the weeds at one point to study like the history of zombieism and stuff right. like that uh, but you know he wrote lots of travelogues about the Middle East he also wrote apparently one of his best works um, it was uh, a book called Asylum which is you know one of his many attempts uh, to 
dry himself out in an insane asylum. But he also wrote a book that I actually also I'll take back a little bit of my earlier comment. He wrote a book called Witchcraft, Its Power in the World Today in 1940. And I think I have seen, I think that book is still in print because I've seen that book in every used bookstore whenever I go through the paranormal and, and supernatural section. I think it was in my public library. Um, but for the most part, Mr. Seabrook has been forgotten. And, you know, it's kind of cool that Ullman is so obsessive about getting the story uh, as as detailed and as right as he possibly can. I don't know if I liked Mr. Seabrook. I don't know if I'd enjoy spending time with him. He was a pretty severe alcoholic. He was not very good to the women that he, you know, he was the three women he was married to. In fact, he's kind of emotionally abusive which, you know, because alcoholic. But um, I enjoyed reading the book. It just was rather dense. Um, but, uh, but I think that's a good thing. All right. The, the Abominable, Abominable Mr. Mr. Seabrook for Joelman from Drawn and Quarterly. Thank you very much, You're Cole. welcome. <laughs> Chris Casso, what do you got for us? Um, I'm going to role play as Nicole today <gasps> and talk about uh, Sexy Gay Dads, The Adventure. It's so good. Yes. Uh, I forgot so, I read that. Why didn't I? <laughs> yeah, I was like, that? I thought we were just doing Look, a tag I'm team. Tired. Do you Continue. want a tag team? Jeez. Uh, so, this is The White Trees, a Black Sand Tale by Chip Zdarsky, Chris Anka, and Matt Wilson. It is going to be a two issue special. It opens with a big old map of the fantasy land. So, that should win Nicole over immediately. <laughs> and uh, so, basically, it follows uh, this one guy who is like a retired great warrior for the empire of whatever, whatever. And uh, him and the couple couple other warriors are called to the king and the king's like bad news bros your uh daughter and your son were kidnapped by like the evil guys and um so they're like we got to go and go and save them mm -hmm. and so the story kind of flips back and forth but uh basically um it's just uh because the two other warriors is an elf and like a sexy chewbacca Sexy, overweight Chewbacca, and uh, body positive images in this book as well, and uh, and they so they have a daughter, and um, that daughter is in a relationship with the son of the main warrior, and that guy's kind of cool because he's like totally emotionless and kind of dead inside, mm -hmm. and uh, I feel you, bro. And uh, <laughs> there's a there's a great scene where they go into like a haunted forest full of like succubus fairies. And they, they try to distract people uh, with sexiness. Sexually. And they try to get that guy, and they're like, he's got like nothing in him. Yeah, he's, they he, touch him, and they're like, ah! Yeah, he's got like no joy. <laughs> um, so it's just, I love Chris Anka. Um, yes. I love his art style. It's just Gorgeous. very clean. The coloring, I think that's Matt Wilson. Let's confirm. Matt Wilson. Good job, Matt. Yes. Um, it just pops. And Chip Zdarsky has that fascinating thing of like being a totally silly weirdo Taika Waikiki kind of guy sometimes mm -hmm. and dressing in Garfield cosplay yes. and then telling like very emotional character driven stories to have that humanity of a little bit of humor in them because mm -hmm. there's a great part where um, they uh, on their quest to find the, their kids they come across the wife of the Chewbacca kind of guy and like she totally loves the gay elf and it's like she feels no ill will towards him because it's like they're in a club of people who have survived being married to the Chewbacca guy um, <laughs> and uh, it's like I just love that little bit of characterization yep. so uh, yeah it's like five dollars and it's one of two and it'll just be a really good um, bit of fantasy with extra representation in it cool Ooh. it's good you should buy it all right <clears throat> Thank you, Chris. And finally, Nicole, what do you got for us? Did, did 
you, I should have done this off mic, but did you actually talk about Murder Falcon before? Can't if remember. I did only the first issue or something? Well, I guess I'll talk about that because it. It, it did things to something. Anyway, moving on. Uh, to my feeling sensors, which are kind of on overload at the moment. Um, so I, I read Murder Falcon. It's, it's our book club for August. So by the time this goes out, the book club will have already happened. So sorry that you could not participate. But it is a um, Daniel Warren Johnson jam. It's all, it's, um, uh, all the art and story is by him, right? Yes. Yes. Um, and... Uh, he did Extremity, which was a two-volume two series, ultimately, um, and so this one is all about um, how the power of music can heal you and bring you through tough times. Um, so it follows this guy, Jake, who has been diagnosed with cancer, um, and that factor had him separate from his friends, who he was in, ba in a band called Bruticus uh, with, and he distanced himself from his wife, who's the, the love of his life, and um, just was pretty much giving up on life. He broke his guitar in a fit of rage at some point, and um, he's just kind of at the end of his rope. And all of a sudden, a anthropomorphic falcon shows up, you know he's anthropomorphic because he wears pants. Yep, and a bandana. <laughs> and, and a bandana. And a cybernetic death arm. Yes, he has a cybernetic death arm. And he tells him there's uh, monsters that start appearing in the city. And and then the Falcon shows up and he's like, Jake, you must play your guitar. And Jake is like, but I can't. I don't want to anymore. And Falcon is like, do it. So he picks it up and he's like, because he loves metal. So he's shredding. And um, it gives the Falcon uh, power to murder the monsters. Mm -hmm. Hence, Murder Falcon, and or um, Murph through the power of music, or, or they nick yeah, or they nickname him Murph. Murph. Um, so now it is like these monsters are taking over. There's this really awful entity that's in the heavy that's like trying to come in and and destroy everything. And he feeds off of fear, um, and he's trying to make it into the the earth Earth's plane by by pretty much like sucking people's pain. Depressed by being a bummer. Yeah, he's just a real bummer, dude. A bummer. Um, and he likes eyeballs. Like he has eyeball buttons, and he has a big eyeball on on his face. That's like like, not even a face. It's really, kind of like a Resident Evil kind of like. Here's yeah. a cancerous growth that happens to be my extra eye. Exactly, it's kind of bulbousy. I call him Jim. Pulsing. Yeah, it's like Jim <laughs> Jim pulsing around. Um, and um, wait, are you still talking about the story now? <laughs> I don't know. Are you making up your own? I have no idea. There's a little fan fiction happening. Yeah. Look, so I'm a metalhead, and I can totally relate to being in a bad place and putting your headphones on and blasting metal as like loud as I can to try to not feel so crappy <laughs> and move forward in life. So this speaks to me in that regard of like the power of music. Um, but it also like hit my feelings really hard. I think just because like things have been a little tough for me personally. So it's like, ah, oh, fine. Just hit at the right time and make me feel even more feelings, whatever. But there's a lot of really sweet moments of, you know, him, even, even though he may have um, some tough road ahead and I'm not going to necessarily say all the things but like it it's it's like you can still persevere and like you can still like keep going in the face of things and you don't have to give up and um there's also like a, a really good thing that happens at the end um that is a nice little surprise and it um 
I had talked to a customer about it and they had said like they got emotional. And so I was like, oh, I'm wondering how I'll feel. And I'm reading the comic and I'm like, oh, this is enjoyable. And all of a sudden I hit that part and I was just like in tears. And so I don't know if it's just going to like hit certain people in certain ways. It it may not be tears because you may not be a crier like I am. Um, But overall, I really enjoyed the book. You know, I think I think it was good. And then like also. An instrument has a connection to some sort of creature that, you know, that you can, like, then use the creature to battle, you Everybody know? gets, like, an avatar creature exactly. to call for. So somebody gets, like, a woolly mammoth, yeah. a leviathan, and then there's, like, the really, like, goth Metalopolis guy. Yes. And he gets, like, a giant wooden... It's like wood a god dryad yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 like a dryad, yeah. And, um, and, the, and, and there is a band in there that, like, I had to stop because there is a band that they're like, oh, we're Swedish, and they have, like, corpse paint on. And if you don't know what corpse paint is, it's, like, Kiss, but without stars and hearts and horseshoes. Um, it's, like, darker and kind of eviler. It's also just weird. Um, so I kept looking at bands being like, are you Immortal? Are you Demi Borgir? Are you Cradle of Filth? And then I was just like, I don't know who you are. And it was, like, Wild Wind or something. I don't know what it was. It's not, I don't think it's a real band. Mm. Um, but if it is, I want to know. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because I've never heard of that band anyway um all this to say is i'm just listening to black metal now because of this comic so thanks comic mm-hmm. the end so is it a standalone graphic novel standalone it's eight issues you read this oh, this okay. trade and it's done okay yeah. and you have a good little story mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's nice cool. i forget how much it is it's probably like 16 or 17 bucks, bucks yeah, or something, something like, like that, that. Um, but it's a good chunk yeah. in there yeah and it's called the murder falcon it's murder called murder falcon. falcon murder falcon from image comics Yeesh. excellent Cool. Well, thanks, Nicole. Uh-huh. That is Book Report, and that is our show. Coming up is quiz time. But before we go, I want to tell you that the Perfect Bound podcast is brought to you by the Panel and Jumper. See everything Cole Hornaday and I do at thepaneljumper.com, as well as Comic Extension here at 319 Northeast 45th Street in beautiful downtown Wallingford, or 24 hours a day, seven days a week at comicsdungeon.com. Subscribe to the show on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or however you get your podcasts at perfectboundpodcast.com. Send us an email, perfectboundpodcast at gmail.com. And our friends, get your quiz hats on. It's quiz time. This week, the questions come to us from me. This quiz time is called To Be or Not To Be with B in quotations, which means every correct answer will begin with the letters B-E. Number one. She is the long-suffering companion and sometimes girlfriend of Howard the Duck. Cole Hornaday. Beverly. Beverly Switzler. Number two. (laughs) Beverly. Every every one of these, my first thing is just going to be like, be Arthur. (laughs) (laughs) Number two. One of the original X-Men, Dr. Hank McCoy, or blank... Sorry. Has appeared regularly in X-Men comics since his debut. Beast. Beast the is beast. correct. Yeah. Number three. This was a six-issue Marvel series in 2006 written by Dwayne McDuffie that saw Hank Pym, the Wasp, Gravity, Medusa, Firebird, the Hood, the Space Phantom, and many others abducted by a cosmic entity to the alien battle world for unknown purposes. Beyond B. Bar- B. Arthur. Beyond B. Arthur is correct. <laughs> Number Wait, four. No, what? Beyond. It's just beyond. 
Ed McKeever. You can't mess with me at this point in the evening like that. Okay. (laughs) Debuting during the Bronze Age, he was the first character outside the Marvel Universe's Norse pantheon to be introduced as a being worthy enough to wield Mjolnir. And after an initial rivalry with Thor for possession of the weapon, this alien warrior was granted a warhammer of his own Stormbreaker. Better Ray Arthur. (laughs) Beta Ray Bill. Beta Ray Arthur. And finally, this series, published in 2012, acted as a prequel to Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons' Watchmen. Before Watchmen is before correct. Watchmen. Before B. Arthur. Anyway, that is quiz time. Well, that's just ancient <laughs> history at that point. Sorry. <laughs> that is B. Arthur, and that is our show. Thank you for being a friend. Yes. Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> Tune in next week. <laughs>